Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancolana, and today we are finishing up a five-part series that I have titled Laws of Life and Love. We've been discussing what I call relationship laws, laws that govern our relationships. And the whole premise has been, if we understand these laws, if we respect them, And if we align ourselves with them, they work in our favor and they help us experience the kind of lives and love lives that all of us desire to experience. But of course, the opposite is true also. If we don't understand these, if we don't respect them, if we are not aligned with them, if we are in fact living in an oppositional way, to these relationship laws, they work against us and bring us more heartache and relationship disappointment than we would ever want to experience. Okay? So today is the final installment. It is part five. And we are looking at what I call the law of healing. Now quickly, Where we've been is we started with the law of attraction, probably the most popular, the most recognizable of all relationship laws. It is, of course, the one that's the most misunderstood and the one that's most misused. So we started with that. And the little slogan that we had, what the law means, the law of attraction means like attracts like. So that was part one of the five-part series. Part two, we looked at the law of attention. The law that speaks to the idea that what we put our attention on grows. So whatever we focus on, whatever we mull over, whatever we dive into, whatever we obsess about, we create more of. And there's a perfect example of how this law of attention can work for you again or against you. If you put your attention on things you're grateful for, things that you have, things that you've been given, right? Then you, you grow your thankfulness. You grow your appreciation. You grow a sense of gratitude. But if you put your attention on things you don't have or things you think are missing or things or ways in which you feel you've been mistreated, then your resentment grows, your negativity grows, and your depression grows. So that was week number two. Week number three of the series was the law of opposites. And I made the case in that episode that the law of opposites even though it appears to be contradictory to the law of attraction, 
right? The law of attraction says like attracts like. The law of opposites says opposites attract. So which is it? Do opposites attract or do like things, things that are alike attract? And I went through, a, I, I hope it was a very powerful explanation that they are both true at the same time, though they are speaking about different areas of our lives. So they appear to be contradictory, but they're actually not because they're talking about different things. So that was week number three, the law of opposites. Last week, week number four was about the law of suffering. And what we saw was that when we resist reality, we suffer. When we accept reality, we don't. And so the law of suffering makes it very clear that our suffering does not come from what's occurring or not occurring. It doesn't come from circumstance or from people or from whatever's happening in our lives. It comes from how we are being with the situation. If we are in negativity and resistance and wanting it to be different or wanting more of this and we're seeking and we're desiring and we're craving for something to go away or for something to come, if we are in that kind of resistance to what the reality of the moment is, we suffer. But if we're in acceptance with the way something is, if it is not a problem to us, if it's okay that it's raining, then there's no problem that it's raining and there's no suffering. If it's okay that I'm single right now today, well, then there's no problem being single because I don't mind being single, <laughs> right? Okay, so that was part number four, the law of suffering. Now today, we are getting into the law of healing. And this is going to be a fascinating discussion, I, I hope, for you. Um, it has been for me as I've been mulling this over and putting my attention on the law of healing. And I guess the first thing I want to say is, what do I mean by healing? Well, I think we all need healing, perhaps all the time. Something, I mean, the way life is, is you sort of are discovering that periodically everything breaks down that everything gets broken, that things fall apart, that there are challenges, there's trouble, there's difficulty. So we need healing all the time. We need a type of healing for the insides of us. We'll talk about this. We need sometimes emotional healing. We need healing from trauma. We need healing from you know, our own inner, you know, difficulties, our emotions, our addictions. We need healing from our patterns, our personas. We even sometimes need physical healing. So sometimes we as individuals, just within us, we need healing. But then we could say that there's a healing that we need that is without us, you know, on the outside of us. Our relationships need healing. Marriages can use healing. People were dating. People that were 
getting to know online. I mean, relationships break down. They have trouble, right? They, they, I guess you could say relationships get sick. There's a kind of a difficulty that happens. There's confusion. There's drama. There's conflict in, in any phase of an intimate relationship, whether you're meeting online and sort of making a connection there, things can break down right there. Or you've been married for 50 years and that relationship can need healing. So healing is not only something we need to experience within us frequently, but also in our intimate relationships, no matter what stage they're in. Does that make sense? But also our careers need healing. We have difficulty with our coworkers, our bosses, our job descriptions, our work environment. Right? So sometimes you can say, you know, my professional life is sick and, and I need some healing. You know, I, doctor, doctor, give me the news. <laughs> right? And then I, I would say that we often need healing in our families. We need healing between us and our children or between us and our siblings or between us and our parents. Okay, so... I guess you could say there's a lot of sickness in the world and we all are sick, right? We, we all break down. We, we all need healing. And, and so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the surest way to bring healing to any aspect of our lives. Now you're going to hear that and you're going to think, Oh my God, you're so overstating it. Roy, are you trying to say that no matter what needs healing, there's one simple shift that can deliver, that can bring healing to anything that's broken or sick? And I kind of am saying that. I, I really am. And I know it's going to sound simplistic. And it probably is a little bit overstated. Life is probably a little more complicated than the way I'm going to describe it today. But here's what I'm going to challenge you with. If you will do what I'm going to suggest, if I do what I am going to suggest, you will see that perhaps 95% of whatever healing needs to happen will. In fact, if we do this, we might find that it really is the only thing that's necessary. Now, perhaps, I'll grant you, there, there some, some aspects, some relationships, some issue in your life that needs healing may be a little bit more complicated. And it's not this simple. But I'm just saying, maybe we should try this. I mean, really try this. And see if it's oversimplified and see if more needs to be done. Because in my experience, it turns out that almost everything that needs healing can be healed by one simple shift. And you know what that is? Brace yourself because this is, this is revolutionary. It's really not. <laughs> the one simple shift 
that can bring healing to anything that's sick or broken is talking. There it is. Talk about it. Speak it. Say it. Reveal it. There's a saying in therapeutic work and especially in addiction work that secrets keep you stuck or secrets keep you sick. And that's almost a cliche. And perhaps many of you have heard that before. If you've been to any therapy or been involved in any kind of recovery, whether it's Al-Anon or AA or any other aspect, you've probably heard Secrets keep you stuck. Secrets keep you sick, right? And it's almost so much of a cliche that maybe it doesn't register. Maybe we don't actually stop and think about that. Because if secrets keep you sick or stuck, then not keeping secrets gets you unstuck and gets you unsick. (laughs) Right? If secrets, not saying something, repressing it, burying it, denying it, ignoring it, whatever, if secrets keep you sick or stuck, then speaking it brings healing and freedom. Now, this is not original to me. In fact, this idea is not original to addiction work. In fact, this is not original to anyone that is alive right now or has been alive for a thousand years. This idea goes at least as far back as when the Bible was written. I want to point out that there is a simple sentence in the Bible that it has been bastardized by the church. It has been misused. It has been turned into an empty ritual that has lost all of its power and all of its healing ability. That's my view anyway. That, that's arguable, I guess, to some. I'll, I'll grant that. But there's a verse in the book of James that says, if you confess your sins, you will be healed. Right? Right? Way before AA ever came up with the idea, secrets keep you stuck or secrets keep you sick. Way back 2,000 years ago, in the book of James, someone said, if you confess your sins, you'll be healed. Now, in my opinion, our religious institutions have taken that and made it into a ritual um, that becomes robotic and mechanical, and I think it's lost its power. We can argue about that. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. I just want to deal with the truth of that statement. And I sort of want to break it down. I want to take, you know, it went away. I want to take each word of that and spend a little time talking about it. Okay, should we do that? Because I'm maintaining that whatever needs healing right now in your life, whether it's at work or with a sibling, a family member, with yourself, with an intimate partner, the healing comes by talking about it. So when it says confess your sins, first of all, 
I'm not that comfortable with the word sin. Most of us want to run away from that. Nobody wants to own that. The word sin just means you're missing the mark, right? And and so it, it's just a sense of when you're doing something or, or something's going on that's missing the mark, right? The way you fix all that is that you confess. You talk about it. So the word confess just simply means to to blurt the truth. It's not something you have to necessarily say to a priest in a small little room inside a church. It's kind of a way of life is what this is really getting at. It was never meant to be done every so often with a priest in a secluded kind of area. The whole idea is it's a way of life that I don't want to hide myself and what I've done or what I think or who I am. I don't, I don't want to keep secrets. I don't want to keep anything in the dark. So the whole thing is about deciding to live a lifestyle where you reveal yourself because we're going to find out that what the law of healing means is revealing brings healing. Revealing brings healing. So right now, I would like you to think about what in your life needs healing. I mean, what is it? You have a a best friend that you guys are at odds? Is there someone you're dating or in a relationship with that something seems off? You're confused. You feel lost. You don't know what's going on. You're not sure how they feel about you. Something about them is bothering you. Something they said hurts your feelings. What is it that needs healing? Perhaps it's at work. Perhaps it's with a parent or with your one of your children. Revealing brings healing. Not ignoring it, not hoping it goes away, not dismissing it, making light of it. Oh, I'm just making a big deal out of nothing. Not, not, no, none of those justifications. It's not about venting to everybody else about this. This is about revealing your sins, your, your missing the mark, your feelings, your attitudes, your, your truth to the very people that are involved. That's how things are healed. They're not healed with medicine. <laughs> time does not heal wounds. Maybe we should stress that right now. Were, oh, you know, time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. Don't we all know someone that's holding a grudge that something happened 10 years ago? Isn't, isn't someone remembering what happened to them when they were five or six years old? And it's still, I mean, you're 45, you're 65 years old, and you still feel upset about that. You still feel a pain, a hurt. Isn't it common to have trauma in our past? The time has not healed it. The only way that trauma is healed, and people that work in the trauma fields know this, is at some point, you're going to have to talk about this. 
You're going to have to talk about what happened. You're going to have to stop repressing it and suppressing it and ignoring it and acting like it wasn't a big deal. Oh, it's so long ago, you know, just, uh, you know, why bother with all that? No, because it's alive in you. Do you know that science is discovering more and more that a lot of our physical ailments are rooted in emotional repression? Scott Killaby, I think, is on the cutting edge of this. Uh, another guy named Gabor Mate, I believe that is how you pronounce his name. Uh, Gabor is M-A-T-E. Those guys are on the leading edge of sort of understanding that when we store pain in the body, when we repress it, we ignore it, we deny it, when we don't confess our sins, when we don't express that repression in the body leads to physical ailments. Scott Killaby talks about having so much pain in his body and he was so uncomfortable that he was actually considering suicide because no doctor could find out what was wrong. He had MRIs and x-rays and saw all kinds of doctors and he had so much pain in his body, they couldn't find anything wrong. But the pain was so unbearable that he was entertaining, I just might have to kill myself because I, I can't live this way. And I don't know his entire story, but I do know that he began to do some repression work. He began to explore some things in his life that he discovered he was burying and not dealing with and ignoring and suppressing. So he discovered that he was not confessing himself, his sins, you know, how he missed the mark, how others missed the mark. He wasn't revealing and bringing into the light the issues that were buried within him. And as he did that, his pain went away completely. I don't know how quickly. I think it was a number of months where he was doing a lot of inquiry work, a lot of deep trauma work of exploring places in his body, I'm sure with someone skillful next to him. And he was feeling feelings that were buried and he was dealing with anger that had never been expressed. And, and as he did that, his body healed. Because if you confess your sins, you will be healed. Because revealing brings healing. Another example of this, you can look all this stuff up online. They're all on Facebook. Scott Killaby, another guy named Greg Foster spiritual teacher. I think he's based out of the UK. He had kind of a, a Lyme disease of, of a type. He had kind of a neurological Lyme disease. And he too, it was so bad that he was considering suicide. He, he and no doc, they couldn't find anything. And then they, they did end up finding it was a neurological Lyme disease, but it was tied to his own emotional repression even though he was a spiritual teacher. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So my whole point in this is that a lot of us have physical problems. And I'm not saying every physical 
problem. I'm not saying every cancer, every whatever is tied to repression and so forth. But I'm saying we might be very surprised at the health that returns to our body if we talk about the things that have hurt us, things we're suffering with, things we're wondering about. So we might really find that revealing brings healing. But this is not something that we do intellectually. There's no healing in just understanding this or agreeing with it. There is our own process of finding what we haven't talked about or what we're not talking about or what we're too afraid to talk about or what we're too afraid to address or what we're too afraid to admit. The healing only comes when we take something out of the darkness and bring it into the light. That's the only way. It doesn't come by some sort of understanding. It doesn't come by saying, from now on, I'm going to do that. It comes from each of us looking in our lives and saying, if there's a part of me that needs healing, I'll bet you it's because I'm not revealing something. And that's why it's, it's broken. That's why there's a sickness here. So really, you can look and you can say, if I have this relationship difficulty, it's not because of anything other than I'm not talking about it. If I talk about it, it'll be healed. Now, I'm going to say more about that in a minute because there is a way to talk about it that brings healing and a way that doesn't. But we first sort of need to be convinced that the way out of of the suffering, the way out of the pain, the way out of the brokenness, the sickness, is to talk. See, because everything in our society, certainly things we see on television, TV shows, movies, you know, it's almost hilarious when you watch a movie or a television show and there's some sort of drama and people don't talk to each other. I mentioned this in a podcast a while back that my wife and I sometimes watch things. We yell at the TV, if you would just talk to each other, <laughs> right? But, you know, the man and the wife or whatever it might be, the two girlfriends, the two buddies, whatever it is. Like, for instance, one of the reasons that I really love the movie Jerry Maguire, this movie is now pretty dated, you know, but it was Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooding Jr., one of the reasons I love that movie, it did have that you complete me line in it, which is a little yuck, you know, codependent, but there were a lot of very conscious parts of this movie. And my favorite part was the relationship between Jerry Maguire and what was the character name? Rod. It was Rod someone. Um, oh, I forget. Um, but he was the football player in the movie and Jerry was his agent. And these two both needed some healing because the football player's career was sick and broken. He wasn't getting a new contract. It wasn't going anywhere. And Jerry's life was all messed up. He lost his job. His marriage to um, Renee Zellweger was starting to really be robotic and mechanical and stuff like that. 
And these two really challenged each other to confess your sins, to like wake up, to start seeing the truth and saying the truth. Right? Jerry had to admit that his marriage wasn't any good and it was it was him. And you know, and so him and Renee had this conversation where they broke up for a while because they actually started talking about it. And it, it did break them up for a while, but then it they came back together. And the football player's career got changed around because Jerry got in his face and said, you got this big chip on your shoulder and nobody wants to work with you. Nobody wants you on their team because you're a pain in the ass. So there was this challenge and this talking and this challenging of each other to confess your sins, like to wake up to what you're doing. And everybody's life was healed. Those two men and the way they related with each other and challenged each other to stop with all their bullshit and their blame, but to really look inside and take ownership and come out with it. That dynamic is just so much fun to watch. And that's what this podcast is about. It's really about recognizing that revealing brings healing. Now, often with my clients, what we do is something called persona work, right? We, I've noticed, a lot of people who work in relationships have noticed that sometimes we come out of our childhoods, our early adult lives, um, having become someone that we think we need to be in order to survive or succeed or get our needs satisfied. It's very common to lose track of our authentic authentic selves and become the little boy or little girl that we feel like we need to be in order to feel close to daddy or to mommy, you know, to feel loved and secure. So it's very common to take on a persona as a young person and we lose track of our authentic selves and we just become the person we think we need to be in this environment in order to survive or to get our needs satisfied. There's nothing wrong with this. It's it's quite natural, except that most of us don't know we're doing it. So I've shared a ton in my life about being Roy the Rescuer. That's my, a, a name for one of my personas. And it came about because in my desire to be close to my mother, what little boy doesn't want to be close to his mother, I discovered that if I was a good boy and I did things my mommy wanted me to do and I did things that made her happy and I was thinking about what does she want me to do and how can I fulfill her agenda? When I was a good boy, when I was good boy Roy, I felt warmth and attention and affection from my mother. But when I was more selfish, you could say, when I had my own agenda, my own needs, my own wants, and I acted on them, especially when they were not what my mother would have wanted in those moments, I just felt either I got punished or I felt distance. I felt a negativity. And so as a little boy who wanted to be close to his mother, I just became 
someone who said, well, you know how you get close to women? You make your life be about taking care of theirs. Now, I didn't know I was doing this when I was five years old. (laughs) I just could innately figure out that the way you get close to mama is, you know, just be a good boy here, Roy. So as I got older, I started calling that boy because that boy became, you know, 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 year old. And now I'm relating to adult women as good boy Roy. The way I get an adult woman to be interested in me, to give me her attention and affection, is if I make my life be about taking care of hers. So instead of calling him good boy Roy, I call him Roy the Rescuer. That's a relationship persona. Okay? Now, there's no way I can be in a healthy relationship as long as I'm relating from a false self that is built on fear. So my work had to be to not only identify the persona and see that it's responsible for all the drama, because when I'm a rescuer, I attract women who are damsels, and we do that dance. I had to identify that, and then I had to figure out, well, who, is, who, who am I authentically? Well, the way you discover your authentic self is as easy as just remove the persona self and your authentic self is right there. You don't have to create an authentic self. You don't have to find it. It's like the sun. The sun's always shining. It's just the clouds block it. So a relationship persona is like the clouds blocking the sun. It's blocking your authentic self. If you just get rid of the clouds, the sun shines. You don't have to make it shine. It's it's right there, right? So your authentic self is right there. And so is mine, right behind the personas. So I just had to do the work on how do you get rid of this persona? And you know how you do that? You bring it into the light. You talk about it. (laughs) You, You actually tell people about it. You actually speak about it. You confess your sins. You like, oh my God, I've been Roy the Rescuer. You you bring it out of the darkness. So in, in one of my books, I think I make the comparison that personas are like, what are they like? They're like, um, I don't want to say vampires. They're like vampires. You know, the vampire lore. They only live in the dark, right? If they get exposed to the light, they die, they dissolve. So the way you let go of a persona is you expose it to the light. You confess your sins and it you will be healed, <laughs> right? You, you bring the persona out. So I have a whole process I do with my clients about what does it mean to bring a persona into the light? Well, give it a name, describe what it does. Get some physical object that reminds you that you can fall into this pattern of behavior. Tell the people in your life about your persona because once they know that it's there, they'll spot it when you're, when you're doing it. So like I think on my third date with my current wife, we've been married now coming up on 17 years. On my third date with her, I told her my whole story about me and my mother and then all of these previous relationships that were codependent because I was Roy the Rescuer. The name I use in some of my books, I call him Casanova, right? He's just this 
ladies' man. What do you need, mommy? I'll take care of it. I'll be a good boy. You know, what do I need? I'll take care of you. I'll raise your kids. I'll clean your houses. Right? It's this this kind of faux, fear-driven, woman womanizing thing that I would do to get women to like me. Okay? Those My wife, who I was just dating, I told her about that on like our third date. I just... I just confessed it to her because I didn't want to be that way with her. And I knew if I told her all about it, well, then she'd spot it when I start doing it. So I actually told her, if you ever sense that I'm being good boy Roy to try to get you to like me, and if it ever feels a little bit like I'm doing something that's not authentic, that I'm just trying to impress you, or that I'm treating you like some victim who can't take care of herself. If you ever sense that, I want you to call me out on it because I don't want to do this with you like I've done it with all the other women because it doesn't last. It falls apart. So I don't want a codependent thing with you. So the way I got out of it was by confessing it. And there were times when my, my wife, back when we were dating, I would do something, say something, and she like, ew, was that Roy the Rescuer? Was that Casanova or was that the authentic Roy? And I was like, ew, you know what? You're right. I think I slipped into it there. Thank you. Right? And then I could check with myself, get my real truth, and reestablish a healthy connection with her. So these are the things that you do to break patterns in your life, to break out of personas, right? We, we all have patterns, don't we? Don't you have patterns where you end up rescuing people? Or don't you have patterns where you end up being with narcissists or people who are emotionally unavailable? Well, that's only because you have some persona that fits with those people. But until you start talking about yours, your love life never gets healed. Now, we, we all know the same way with emotions. If we have anxiety or depression, you know, we all know that talk therapy works. Why? Because when you confess your sins, you're healed. <laughs> so when we're going through emotional trouble, if we keep it secret that we feel depressed, that we can't get out of bed, that we have thoughts of suicide, that we're in a kind of darkness. If we don't say anything, secrets keep us stuck, right? So we need the courage to confess our sins. And do you catch how sins is not a bad thing? It's like I wish it would have said, if you confess your reality, you will be healed. Because that's what we're talking about here. If you just say what's true of you, you'll be healed. So that's very true in emotional work. It's totally true in addiction work, right? What's the first thing you do in AA? If you're really, truly into recovery, don't you stand up and say, hello, my name is Roy and I'm an alcoholic. What is that? Confess your sins and you, you're healed. That, that's the, the first step toward sobriety or healing is to own it and admit it. Now, everybody else around you might already know it. 
But that's what that's why I love this verse in the Bible. Nobody can do this for you. Just because everybody else knows you've got a problem, that doesn't bring any healing. It's only when you confess your sins, you will be healed, right? So you have to be able to say, hello, my name is Roy and I got a problem. This is how we get out of trauma, out of addiction, out of dysfunctional relationship patterns. It's how we end many physical illnesses. And it's certainly how we end confusion and drama and conflict. I cannot tell you folks how frequent it is for me to talk with a client who is in a brand new relationship. You know, it might be they've had a couple of dates. Maybe they're together for a month. I mean, it's very new and it's very raw. And it's just so common that the person I'm talking to is confused about, well, I don't even know how they feel about me. I'm not sure about, are we a couple? Are we monogamous? Uh, are they into me? Like, why? It's, it's, it's quite normal in the beginning of a relationship to feel confusion. To, to, you know, to, you talk, you have conversations, and, you, and afterwards you're like, what did they mean by that? Or I noticed they said it this way, but they didn't say it that way. And you you kind of get in your head, right? And you start rehashing your text messages, your conversations. And your mind starts to interpret people's behaviors. Like, what do they mean by that? Well, they haven't texted me for a couple days. Oh, that must mean they're not into me, right? And of course, you don't know for sure. It's just that your mind is filling in the blanks with something. Because your mind does not like the unknown. So whenever you don't know something, your mind's going to come up with a theory. Now, your theories are just based on your past experiences. So they are so far from what the reality is that they shouldn't be trusted. But we do, right? We, we, we interpret people's behavior. We interpret their silence. We interpret what they said. Like we, It's like, have you ever heard one of the late night comedians, you know, they do a bit where they play a quotation from a politician or a celebrity, and then they say, well, let me interpret what they really meant by that. And then they, t- and then they say what they really meant, and it's usually pretty hilarious, right? Comedians are great about that. You know, this politician said this. Well, let me tell you what he really meant, right? That's kind of what our minds do. People do things, say things. They don't do things. They, there's, they don't text us. They do text us. And in our minds... Our minds are saying, well, let me tell you what they really meant by that, right? And we all know if we take a moment, let's take a step back, that we're completely making it up. You know, we really don't know. Now, I'm not saying we're always wrong. What I'm saying is you don't really know in that moment. Your mind is just trying to make you feel better by giving you some sort of explanation, right? So my point is, I have so many conversations with clients where they need some healing because they're in conflict or confusion or some kind of drama. And every time Dr. Roy prescribes the same medicine, talk about it. (laughs) Go tell them exactly what you just told me. 
because you just spent, you know, 30 seconds saying, you know, I've been dating this guy and we've been really getting along great. And, but I haven't heard from him for three days. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking he's not into me. And I don't know what to make of that. And but I really like him. And I, and I, I thought he really liked me too. And I'm just losing my mind because I don't want to text him first because I don't want to act like I'm chasing him, you know, and, and I don't want to come on too strong, you know, but, but my God, it's been a couple days and, you know, and I, I guess I'm just going to block him and just move on. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> you don't know what's going on. Don't block him. How about if you just go knock on his door or actually make a phone call, not a text, but what if you actually just blurt everything you said to me right to his face? Don't worry about his reaction. Don't worry about hurting his feelings. Don't worry about coming off as some neurotic nut job. Just tell him the truth that's going on inside of you because it is true that you're confused and you're wondering and you're, you're considering blocking him and, and you're, you know, your, your feelings are hurt and you don't know what's going on. And it's true that you like him and you, it's true that you thought he liked you. Just go say that. And I'm guaranteeing you it's going to heal something. It'll heal your confusion. Because he might say, yes, you're right. I'm not into you. Well, that healed your confusion. I mean, it's not the greatest outcome. Maybe you want it, but you're not confused anymore. But chances are, it's going to clear up a misunderstanding. Or it's going to surface assumptions that are being made that haven't been talked about. So you're just assuming because when you're seeing someone and you're into someone, you would never go a day without talking to them. So because they've gone a day or two without talking to you, since you wouldn't do that, you're assuming, well, they must not be into me. Well, that might not be true of them. They might be completely into you, but they don't, they're not going to call you every day. It doesn't mean they're not into you. You're projecting yourself. But you'll never get to find that out unless you confess your sins. <laughs> so... That's it right there. 99.9% of all of our sicknesses and all of our problems are going to get fixed if we talk about it. And I know sometimes it takes some big old brass balls to bring something up. You risk rejection. You, re you risk being misunderstood. You risk being thought of as neurotic or judgmental or a worry wart or needy or whatever. I get all that. And I'm not saying that people won't feel that way about you. What I am saying is you will never get unstuck. You will never find healing if you don't confess. Now, keep in mind, in this verse, confess your sins, it doesn't say, and everything will be healed. It doesn't say, confess your sins and the relationship will be healed. It doesn't say, confess your sins and they will be healed. It says, confess your sins and only you will be healed. You will be healed. You will end your conflict, your drama, your confusion. 
the relationship might not survive. But you will find healing. So this is an utterly selfish thing. Do you want to feel better? Do you want to be unstuck? Do you want to be unsick? Do you want healing for yourself? Tell the truth. You might go to your parents and you might have to say some things that have been bothering you. I'm not saying they're going to like it. I'm not saying they're going to receive it. I'm not saying that they're not going to be very angry with you. But you will be healed because you're no longer suppressing and repressing. So when you do that, it turns into resentment. And whenever you withhold, you withdraw. That's a law of the universe also. When you withhold, you will withdraw. That applies to any relationship. If you don't say something, if you withhold something, it puts a little distance between you and them. And if you keep not saying it, the distance gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And pretty soon you're in front of a judge saying, you know, judge, we just grew apart. No, you didn't. You quit telling each other the truth. You withheld and then you withdraw and you keep withdrawing. And pretty soon there's such a distance between you that maybe healing is impossible, or at least it takes a lot of work to get back. So I'm inviting you into a kind of a lifestyle. A lifestyle that says, I want to be a person who has like a mantra. Secrets are not allowed. If something's bothering me, I'm going to say it's something's bothering me. I'm going to speak up. But I also want to point out one thing. It's not just the commitment to reveal that brings healing. It is that revealing without blame brings healing. If you reveal and all you do is blame yourself or other people, you will create more distance. If you just go around saying, I got a problem and it's because of you. My life would be great if it wasn't for you. You did this to me. You did that to me. This is your fault. I wouldn't feel this way if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't feel confused if you would text me every day, right? If you, if when you want to start talking about what's really going on inside of you, but if you do it from a place of your right and they're wrong, and the whole idea is you need to get them to agree, yes, you're right, I am the asshole here. Because that's how most people think healing comes, is when you convince everybody else that they are the bad guy and that they did something wrong, then you can get the healing. Isn't that how most of us view forgiveness? I'm going to go to you with my grievances. And the way that we're going to heal this relationship is if you agree that you are the fucking asshole and you were, you were mean to me and I'm the victim, right? That's how most people think healing happens. Identify the clear victim and the villain and both people have to buy into it. And if the villain agrees, yes, you're right, I apologize, I am wrong, it's all my fault, then you think there's healing. Now, it just doesn't work that way. Normally, when you tell someone it's your fault, they're going to they're gonna say, no, no, don't you dare put this on me, it's your fault. You did this. You did that. 
No, don't you? No, but it's you. No, you go back and forth arguing over who is the victim and who's the villain. There's no healing there. The only way healing comes is when you confess your sins. You will be healed. So when you decide to live this way because you want to have a happy, healthy, non-sick, non-stuck life, you just decide, I am going to own my shit. And I am going to talk about how I'm feeling. But from a perspective of it's not your fault that I feel this way. So if you're in an early relationship and there's confusion and you don't know where things stand and you haven't heard from someone for a couple days, I'm not saying you pick up the phone and you let them have it. I'm going to reveal that I think you're a jackass by not contacting me and you don't really care about me and you're a selfish, narcissistic prick. Okay, that ain't going to do it. But if you pick up the phone and you say, I just want you to know what's happening in Royville. Over the last couple of days, I haven't heard from you. And, and you didn't do anything wrong. But oh my God, I'm spinning about that. I just want you to know that I'm kind of being a mess over here. I don't know how you feel about me. And I'm scared and I'm feeling vulnerable. And I thought we had something. But when I don't hear from you, something in my head tells me that something's wrong. Like maybe you're not into me. And so I'm just calling you not to change anything, but just to let you know that this is what's happening in Royville. I just want you to know me. You didn't do anything wrong. I'm not telling you you have to text me every day. That would be manipulative and controlling. You're just, just be you. I want you to be yourself. But I just want to let you know what's happening in me. That's going to bring healing. Do you see the difference? between I'm hurting and it's your fault and you better fix it to I just want you to know sort of what I'm doing to myself. I just want you to know my experience. And I'm not afraid to let you know if I'm being nutty or ridiculous or, you know, making a mountain out of nothing. I don't know, but I I do want you to know me. So it's not just telling people what you're feeling and and what you have been concealing. It's the state of consciousness it comes from. It's speaking from a place where you take ownership of your own experience and you just want to reveal it. You're not blaming someone for it but you're just making yourself known. It, what pops in my head right now, it's almost like if you have a tattoo on your shoulder or something, and it's like, I want to show you my tattoo. And you pull up your shirt sleeve. You say, look at my tattoo, right? You're not blaming them for putting the tattoo on you. Right? You didn't do this to me. I just have a tattoo, and I just want you to see it. So I'm showing it to you. I'm showing myself to you. Now, you don't know if they'll like the tattoo. Perhaps they have a commitment that I'll never date anyone with a tattoo. I, I reject all people that have tattoos. Tattoos are evil, bad, wrong. You don't know if they feel, they might feel that way. 
but you're not even thinking about that. I just want you to see me. I just want you to, to know me. Now, if you don't like it, you don't like it. But I'm confessing my sins, <laughs> right? I'm, 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 I'm revealing without blame. So let me just summarize it with this. If there is something that needs healing in your life, the first step you do is that you reveal what's going on without blame. And you will find healing either happens completely or it begins the healing process. What area in your life needs healing right now? Is it something within yourself? Then maybe you need to go talk to someone and start talking about it without blame, without blaming yourself. Is there a relationship in your life that needs healing? There's some sort of conflict, drama, confusion, some sort of weirdness. You're stuck. You're in a pattern. Something doesn't feel healthy. Something feels a little dysfunctional. What do I do? Talk. Reveal what you're thinking, feeling, wanting, experiencing without blame. And you will find either the healing process begins immediately or it occurs instantaneously. Now, my guess is your head might be spinning right now. And that's what I'm here for. If you need some healing, maybe you need some coaching with this. Maybe you need someone to hold space as you feel into these processes because some of these conversations can be pretty intense. Perhaps you you need some help letting go of the blame that you feel. Well, I do I do know that there's one ask, one thing in my life that needs healing needs healing, but I'm really in blame. So I don't what do I do? Because I feel like if I say something, it's going to start World War Three. That's where coaching comes in. So if, if you need some support in this, if you need some feedback on this, if you need someone to hold some space as you explore how to heal something in your life, that's what I'm here for. All right, so I hope, I hope this series on relationship laws, the law of attraction, the law of attention, the law of opposites, the law of suffering, and the law of healing. I, help, I hope that they have given you a new wisdom on how to live life with excellence and presence and joy. And until next week, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.